Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, the solar industry has historically, over the past 10 years or so, been pretty big on both coasts. Uh, California, East Coast, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, up into the Northeast. But what's really great now is solar's taking off almost everywhere around the country, including blue states like Indiana. This week, our guest is T.J. Kanchaseski, CEO of Innovative Solar. They're based in South Bend, Indiana. And like many solar CEOs, TJ started Innovatus out of his passion for clean energy. And what's really terrific is he's built a big company into one of the dominant commercial solar installers in the U.S., and certainly dominant in the Midwest where he's focusing most of his business. So welcome to the show, TJ. Thanks, Barry. I'm a big fan of the show, so thanks for having me. Oh, it's great. It's great. Well, um, you know, you recently wrote a book called Building a Brilliant Tomorrow, and, you know, I read it. I'm very impressed in seeing this kind of solar success. But I think our listeners would really like to hear is, when you talk a lot about building the company in the book, tell us a bit about Innovative Solar. What markets are you in, and, and who are your customers, and how did you build the company? Sure. Well, Barry, you mentioned we're, we're based in South Bend, Indiana, so we have a strong... Uh, Midwestern U.S. focus. However, we we do work all across the country, and we have worked uh, overseas doing some work in the Caribbean. And in our earlier days, we distributed a lot of product uh, internationally, so even to places like China, Europe, uh, even Greenland, some islands like Fiji. And we are a solar developer and contractor, and we've built utility and commercial solar projects and we focus you know, primarily on bigger opportunities. However, a lot of small commercial plus storage uh, solar projects have popped up. So we've kind of kept our eye on those. Uh, by the end of this year, we will have built around 350 megawatts. And uh, we are in the top 10 in the U.S. for solar developers. Uh, we've got a lot of commercial customers, like you mentioned, on the commercial side with companies like Ikea, Walmart, and Ford. And we're currently finishing the largest solar carport in the country for Michigan State, which is very exciting. So, you know, we, we, we have our fingers in a number of places around the country, but definitely have that Midwest focus. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's important to find markets that aren't too competitive. It's important to find markets that have a lot of future growth potential. And, you know, obviously talking about small commercial, which is an under, underserved market, talking about storage, there's a lot, a lot we can do there. You're in a lot of different segments. How do you reach these potential customers? Well, we, we wait for the wind to blow. We kind of put our finger up and, and make a determination. <laughs> um, Barry, I'm sure you're familiar with the term the solar coaster. So there, there's been a lot of changes in solar energy. So we found early on at Innovatus that we have to do a very good job of being on the, the cutting edge of the industry and sort of knowing the pulse and uh, what's happening. So we have a research and development focus at our company. Uh, our Nathan Vogel, for instance, is our vice president of research and development, and he spends his days looking at the markets, trying to determine where Innovatus is best suited to, you know, go after potential projects and reach customers who want to do solar. Uh, we've we've also been great advocates of solar uh, throughout the the Midwest, and so we have to do a lot of education and uh, meeting with utilities and politicians. And in social media, 
has been been a big outlet for us as well. You know, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, however we can reach customers while at the same time understanding what's happening in the marketplace. So just taking a few steps back, what prompted you to start Innovative Solar? And then what prompted you to kind of focus on this commercial market? My dad started Innovative Development in 2005. And at that same time, I worked at a company in Chicago called General Growth Properties, which was a real estate investment trust that had very large malls all across the country. And I think today still they're the second largest REIT in the country. I was looking at solar energy opportunities for these very big roofs that we had at General Growth while my dad was doing the research on solar and other renewables at Innovatus. So he kept sending me bits and pieces of information on what uh, he was working on. And it, you know, solar was something I always believed in and uh, had a lot of interest in. And so one thing led to another, and I pitched my dad on an idea to, to start Innovative Solar. And uh, it took a little while of, of him telling me, no, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And finally he uh, caved in, and uh, we got Innovative Solar started in 2008. No, it definitely sounds like it was the the right decision, even though it sometimes takes a little bit of time. You mentioned public policies. What is Innovative Solar doing to encourage favorable public policies? Well, we're trying to do as much as we can to uh, educate our politicians. And, And being in a state like Indiana, we're, I would say, a little bit behind the times in terms of what's been happening nationally with solar energy. So, you know, back in 2008, we spent a lot of time down at the state capitol working with uh, state legislators and trying to talk to them about solar energy. And at the time, we were mostly sharing case studies of what was happening in California and maybe states like New Jersey. But, you know, we've maintained those relationships over the years. And uh, I, I keep in good contact with U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly, who was a congressperson when when I first started at Innovatus. So we have to continue to, uh, you know, educate. And, and anytime I get an opportunity to meet with uh, politicians like our our mayor in South Bend, Pete Buttigieg, who's kind of a national figure at the moment, uh, a leading member of the you know the Democratic Party. We talk to them about solar. We tell them what's going on. We tell them about the projects in Indiana and Michigan and the jobs that are being created. Uh, even last year, I had opportunity to go to the White House and uh, you know sit on a, a hearing uh, based on clean energy, and I got to speak on behalf of what was happening on some of our projects. So you know, any opportunity we get. We have to take advantage of that. No, it's, it's interesting. In your book, you talk about an anecdote of installing a system on the island of Anguilla in uh, the Caribbean. And you, you put that system in, and it was doing great. And then the Public Utility Commission and the utility in Anguilla basically said, well, we're not going to allow you to connect half of the system. H- how can you kind of make sure that the Public Utilities Commission's you know, not only islands, but in, in states in which we're doing business, really have policies that make sense for ratepayers as a whole as opposed to just the incumbent utilities? Well, I, th- I think we have to spend as much time as with them as they will allow us. 
uh, in Innovatus, you know, we, we were consistently making trips around the Midwest and, and calling upon the utilities and sitting down with them, having meetings. And sometimes we don't have a specific project uh, that we're talking to them about, but we are just kind of bringing them up to speed on in terms of what's happening in other parts of the country where the policies might be a little more favorable or, like, for instance, in California, like a utility like PC&G, where I know there's been some challenges, but they're, I would say, more of a forward-thinking utility where we can show utilities in the Midwest uh, that it's a good way to look at the future. Um, so we just we have to spend a lot of time, and, and we kind of can, uh, you know, consider ourselves solar evangelists. So we have to kind of share that solar evangelist message with the utilities. Yeah, no, it, it's just something that you got to keep doing. And you mentioned P, uh, PG&E, and they are really a leader when it comes to solar and clean energy, but they still keep me up at night with policies that are frustrating to companies like ours who are installing solar or solar in storage because their policies are mostly oriented towards protecting their bottom line rather than lowering costs for ratepayers. But, you know, that's why they call it a solar coaster. And, and so yeah. speak, speaking of the solar coaster, what do you think of the upcoming tariff on solar cells and how is that going to affect your business at Innovatus? Well, it, you know, it's already affecting our business because we're trying to find solar panels for our ongoing projects. Uh, we had panels lined up for, for these projects before, but things have changed, and a number of the manufacturers are trying to sell for uh, you know product for as much as they can, and in many cases too, the product's getting sucked up into other markets where they're able to to get to get more for for their product, like China, for instance. China's consuming a lot of the, the solar products in the marketplace right now, so. So we've been doing our homework and trying to reach out to, you know, as many manufacturers as we can. You know, we had to kind of understand the rules um, and, and guidelines and really ha have a good understanding of the, the whole tariff process with the commissioners. And I, I learned more about NAFTA than I ever thought I, w I, w I would. So you we're just trying to align ourselves with, with folks who can get us product at a decent price, but it's definitely affecting Innovatus, uh, you know, in the same way it's affecting many, many companies, you know, around the country. So it sounds like um, you're experiencing the same thing that, that I'm seeing happening out here a lot, and, you know, even even with my small installation company, is it's just, you can get modules, but you're paying more for the modules that you than you expected. You, know, you look at the impact of the tariff on different market segments, you know, residential, commercial, utility scale, and the, the prevailing wisdom is that the utility scale market's going to get hit the worst. And so that's a big market for Innovatus. So how can companies like yours manage that plunge that happens in the solar coaster? What's some advice you have for, for other companies? Well, I think it's good to be diversified. In, in always being prepared for, you know, the uh, the valley of the, the solar coaster. Uh, you know, it's, it's still about education and advocacy and, and, you know, working with the utility executives, politicians, um, uh, and, and trying to find those markets that might not be as susceptible to changes. Like, so, for instance, uh, a place like Michigan State. They have their own power plant. 
they are you know, continuing to transition to clean energy. They want to be a leader and set an example for other universities, while their students also want them to be a leader. And since they you know, generate and consume their own electricity, they get and they understand solar. And universities are usually a little bit more progressive too. So even though there might be changes happening in the marketplace or the, you know, the current administration might have some, you know, uh, be, being creating some noise around clean energy, you know, we have to sort of find uh, the niche where solar will, you know, can continue to happen. Right. That makes sense. You're finding some good, stable customers there. So you mentioned small commercial and battery storage. Um, TJ, tell me a little bit more about customer interest that you're seeing in those technologies. Yeah. neat thing about batteries is that customers can sort of relate to the way they operate with uh, generators they might already have, you know, hospitals, uh, large manufacturing facilities, which we have a lot of those in Indiana and Michigan. So energy storage is something that we see them being even more interested than solar. And when you combine the two, you can get a pretty good payback. Uh, we're working with a brewery in uh, Michigan, for instance, and the solar alone had around a six-and-a-half-year payback, but when we added energy storage into the mix, it got down to about a five-year payback, and that's with the added cost of the battery. Yeah, well, I mean, and if you get paid in beer, you can get the payback down to three years. <laughs> yeah, we tried that. <laughs> um, we actually, we had to accept their money, and then we just turned it back into beer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the batteries, you get to offset those uh, peak demand charges. And so a lot of manufacturers in the Midwest specifically, uh, that, that becomes a big part of their, their power bills. So, so we, we really see energy storage taking things to the next level here, and it, it brings about so many more opportunities for solar. Yeah. Now, we're, we're uh, very excited about the potential for energy storage here and just, you know, in California, and there's uh, incentives and rebates for that. You know, it's, it's tr- kind of tricky navigating around the new technologies. And, you know, so speaking of new technologies, uh, you know, I, I noticed uh, in your book that you did a lot of work with unisolar peel and stick panels, which I've, I've got some experience going back to 2001 on. So tell me about that experience and, and what opportunities that brought up for you. Yeah, when we first started as Innovative Development back in 2005, uh, George Howard, the professor at Notre Dame, who was one of our co-founders, he had a relationship with Stan Ovshinsky, who was the founder of Energy Conversion Devices, a company started back in the 60s uh, that had a number of different uh, companies under its umbrella. And one of those companies became Unisolar which is you know, the, the same technology that actually went into some of the original calculators, uh, solar cells in the calculator. So it, uh, the Unisolar product was really neat and interesting to us because with the peel and stick application, you could, you could take it to many different places and applications. Uh, you know, they had some challenges when the cost of solar plummeted in, you know, 2011 to 13. Uh, so unfortunately, they didn't, they, they're, they're, they're no longer around, but it's really neat technology that still has its niche. Yeah, no, uh, this, I mean, that product is very, very cool. We did a lot of installations on, on schools in the Bay Area, and those systems are still working. So it's kind of cool how they just would glue down onto a standing seam metal roof. But then you, know, you do have the issue of some of these cutting-edge technologies kind of coming and going. 
So re regarding those technologies, so with energy storage, what products are you looking at? Are you looking at li lithium-ion batteries, lead-acid batteries, flow batteries? I mean, you know, what are what does your R&D department think is going to be the, the next great thing there? Well, we're looking at all the above, but, but definitely lithium-ion batteries uh, we think will be the mainstay for quite some time. If you think about it, with cell phones now, I think there's 2 billion people out of, out of 7 billion people in the world that essentially carry around a lithium-ion battery all day long. And when a company like Tesla is trying to deliver, you know, 450,000 uh, model, 450, model 3s, that's just going to help drive down the cost of lithium-ion batteries and storage. So, you know, some of these other technologies will start to pick up, but, you know, at least not too distant future, lithium-ion is uh, what we're betting on. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's kind of like solar cells. When the when the world market picked up, the prices came down a lot, and we're going to see the same thing with, with batteries. All right, well, let's shift gears a little bit. Your book, Building a Brilliant Tomorrow, was, was great. And, you know, a lot of the book doesn't just talk about the, the details of starting and running Innovative Solar, but some of your core values. Tell me a little bit about the, the PEACE acronym that you have that describes your values. Sure. Around five years ago, we were trying to describe what it meant to have the Innovative Solar passion for what we do. And as we were trying to define that, it, it culminated into you know, five different words or five different meanings. We, we use the acronym PEACE, but PEACE stands for passion, engagement, which, uh, yeah, I would say in 2010, a number of our customers told us that we encompassed the Hoosier values. We were very, you know, friendly and, and Midwestern. And, and so we sort of tie that into being engaging. Uh, ambition is a uh, we're very ambitious you know we want to be a leader of solar energy in the midwest we want to be a top five uh, solar developer uh, by 2022 uh, c's for creativity we like to use our you know creative talents that we have uh, I'm, I'm a musician as well so i've definitely steered our company into any opportunities where we can tie music and solar together, like the solar battle of the bands? Well, you know, speaking of the speaking of the solar battle of the bands, you know, you mentioned that in the book and Intersolar, and I've been to Intersolar, you know, many many times, been to the shows. So, do you play the keyboard in in the band? Yeah, yeah, I play the keyboard and, and sing. All right, and my only other comment is that you're a Grateful Dead fan. I hope you're not planning on being a keyboard player in any of the Grateful Dead spinoff bands, because they've got a <laughs> fairly limited lifespan there. Insurance that's, is going to be expensive. Right. The Grateful Dead fans know that, that they had about six keyboard players, and the one who's still alive is Bruce Hornsby. Yes, yeah. I, yeah, I hope um, I hope he keeps his day job, um, because yeah, he's a great yeah. keyboard player. But boy. He said that he survived because he was a part-time member. Yeah, that makes that makes, that makes makes a lot yeah. of sense. <laughs> All right, well, I'm sorry, we, we interrupted talking about the core values. Uh, there's a couple more on there that you want to talk about? Yeah, the last one was, uh, was E, and that's for Spree de Corps, which essentially means spirit of the team. And we think it's really important for anybody at Innovatus to believe in the spirit of our team and, and know that we might have different ideas or disagreements at times, but as long as we 
believe in the direction that the company is headed in, we're going to continue to do the right things. So we do a lot to build our teamwork here at Innovatus, you know, including every Friday at 9 a.m. We have think tank conversations where we bring in food, coffee, breakfast, food, and, and facilitators where our, our guests can range from the Notre Dame basketball coach to U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly. Um, we have a lot of fun and, and, you know, continue to build strong teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun is important. I mean, money motivates people, but just having a, a great place to work is also really, really important. How can people get in touch with Innovative Solar? You can get in touch with us on our website, which is www.innovatus.com. Um, you can also call us if, if, if you have any interest. Uh, our number is 574 485-1400. Uh, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You know, we, we've got all we've we've got social media covered. So you know, feel free to reach out to us. We're always looking to connect with any uh, folks that are interested in solar. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, TJ, for joining us, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcast.